Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, jabronis and jabronettes. You are tuned into Double Turn Radio. My name is Xavier Heat, wrestling's favorite hothead, and next to me is my beautiful and lovely co-host, the man with no gimmick, the James Conti. You are listening to Pay Per Review, this time for WCW World War Three, 1995. This is coming right off the heels of our War Ready series where we review the Monday Night Wars with Monday Nitro and Monday Night Raw. We have just been building up to this, and boy... Is this not the payoff I wanted? No, it is a 60-man main event uh, battle royal that is to determine the new WCW World Heavyweight Champion. Elsewhere on the card, you have Johnny B. Bad and Diamond Dallas Page for the World Television Championship. You also have uh, Kensuke Sasaki versus Chris Benoit for the United States Championship. You've got a match between Sting and Ric Flair, Lex Luger and Randy Savage. You've got a women's match thrown in there, and you've got a grudge match that may or may not be a grudge match thrown in there as well. But before we get into any of the action, let's go ahead and pay the bills, buddy. Where can you find us? Anywhere that you type in Double Turn Radio Podcast, that is where we're going to be found. If you're following us on social media, our most important piece of social media is our Instagram at double underscore turn underscore radio. On our bio and on that page, you're going to see our link tree. Our link tree has every link to every other social media that we have. Most importantly, you're going to find out where you can hear us. Speaking of where you can hear us, where exactly is that? That is going to be on Spotify. Apple Podcasts, Pandora, Stitcher, SiriusXM, Amazon Podcasts, really anywhere you want to hear our pretty little voices, you are more than welcome to do so by typing in Double Turn Radio. Shout out to Joey Flats who provides us the intro and the outro to every single episode of Double Turn Radio, no matter the segment that we put out. He has a new single that just came out, uh, All I Need, so make sure that you go ahead and check that out. He's a great Producer, rapper, singer, songwriter. All of his music can be found on Apple uh, Music and Spotify as well. Most importantly, thank you the fans for choosing us, Double Turn Radio, as your number one wrestling audio encyclopedia. Whether you're on the road as a worker or at home as a fan that just needs their fix of professional wrestling, just know Double Turn Radio has you covered. We want to be your one-stop shop for everything professional wrestling. Absolutely, and one-stop shop we are because where else are you going to find a review for what an atrocious display of sports entertainment as this world war three broadcast was this hailed from the virginia waterfront in norfolk virginia it was absolutely bonkers throughout there's a lot to get into uh so let's go ahead overall i know that it didn't have the payoff that you wanted but did the event live up to the hype overall no Half of the matches on there weren't even promoted. Correct. The big the big picture, and I get it 100%, is that we're focused on the 60-man battle royal. The problem is the most important players are involved in matches beforehand, which either hold little to no weight going into the final, the, the, the main event. There are a set of matches, uh, singles matches, that do end up being pretty good. The problem is... Uh, it's overshadowed by a whole bunch of interviews throughout the night that eventually that essentially cover the exact same topic. It's just changing the the star of the segment. 
We'll talk about it briefly, but let's get right into it. Yes, so we start the broadcast with Tony Schiavone doing the introductions to the event along with Bobby. Uh, and Bobby asked Tony um, his uh, pick, and Tony chooses Hogan. Bobby says that Macho Man is going to be the one, and then backtracks it all and says that the Giant is going to be the one who wins it all. Uh, Tony then hypes up the other matches on the card, uh, the ones that we mentioned before. Uh, the new U.S. champion, Kensuke Sasaki, after just beating Sting in Japan, he's going to be defending his belt. That was where that match with Chris Benoit uh, came uh, along. Tony hypes up CompuServe, which is a live electronic chat that you can speak with Gene, I mean, WCW stars. It really was just Mean Gene and whatever production guys were in the back that decided to fake as a wrestler. Uh, the WC hot, WCW hotline was a scam as well. Uh, we then cut to Mean Gene, who's on the ramp with the Macho Man, Hogan, and Sting. Hogan says that out of something bad, something good comes. And even though he took a walk on the dark side, the Hulkamaniacs stayed true with the prayers, the training, and the vitamins. And we've been shoved down our throat for the past month and a half. Uh, so because of that, he's taking off the black clothing and throwing it in a fire. And then he apologizes to Sting. So he's got the classic red and yellow on. Um... There's a fucking bonfire in front of them. <laughs> yeah, which Sting actually has to get up and, like, kick either kick it away, make sure it gets put out. Like, th this is a real fire. They, they really set it on fire. They could have had a real accident at this game of you. It was incredible. I'm sure the fire marshals had a blast with them. This is why Nick Jackson needed a permit to go and do the exploding super kick. And if you haven't checked out our state of the AEW address, go ahead and do so. Um... <laughs> Uh, Macho Man apologizes to Sting too, and then Hogan talks about Randy's arm being a work and saying that it's not really injured. Uh, he's not. It's saying that he's not really injured. Like, oh, you know, it's yeah, it's not really that bad. Uh, the fire got too crazy. Sting had to douse the flames with a water bottle, and then Hogan has a sheet of paper in his hand called a rag sheet, which is essentially a dirt sheet. So they're making fun of the dirt sheets right. at this point. And he, he has a rag, and he calls it the rag sheet. And the rag sheet says that the giant is going to win the match and that Macho Man was hurt. So he's pretty much making fun of the IWC, a.k.a. all you who are wrestling right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, he said that the internet has a scoop and not to believe everything you see on paper. It's kind of ironic now because it's really like don't believe everything you read on the internet. Yeah, with the exception that a good chunk of the time nowadays, the internet tends to be correct. Yes, because people don't know how to shut their fucking mouths inside their business. But uh, we do cut to a previous promo from DDP that was on WCW Saturday night. And this is towards Johnny B. Bad ahead of the opening contest. Diamond Doll decided to finally speak up after the weeks and weeks that we've been dealing with the misogyny of Diamond Dallas Page. Uh, DDP says to zip it, and she says no. You zip it. She then puts herself up as a prize in addition to the uh, television championship because obviously the title is more important than the person who cooks, cleans, and puts up the 10 for him. What a misogynistic promo in and of itself. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> she kind of just like... I'm, a, I'm an object and I cook and clean and I do everything that exactly. stereotypical women do. I'm it mad was... at you for treating me like an object, but go ahead and treat me like, like an, an object, object anyway. Right. Thank you. Fuck. 90s women's book. I, I, listen, I don't want to say that she came up with it, but whoever wrote this for her, poo-poo on you. Uh, first match of the evening, we have DDP with Diamond Doll versus Johnny B. Bad for the TV title. 
uh, DDP makes his entrance and is now finally more affectionate towards uh, Diamond Doll, at least in this moment, uh, now that she wants to leave. Uh, commentary, we're certainly making a note of this as well. Johnny B. Bad comes out as the camera crew focuses on an attractive lady in the crowd. I'm not sure who that blonde bombshell was, but uh, they certainly made a, a point to go ahead and, and look at her. Uh, we're back to colors now uh, for Johnny B. Bad. This is his most recent run was in black against Eddie Guerrero. Um, Johnny B. Bad and DDP have words as the ref is putting the belt away. We then got a lock up and DDP puts Johnny B. Bad in the corner before disrespecting him with a slap and then another hard lockup that goes into the outside. We get some fisticuffs from both men before they work back in the ring with no men still getting the real advantage. Johnny B. Bad got the brief advantage shortly after this, after this, after hitting a Samoan drop off of an Irish whip. That was really impressive from him uh, to pull that out of his repertoire. A little early for a type of move like that, but surprising Hell, to see. I'll take it. Yeah, I was going to say, surprising to see from nonetheless. Uh, the commentary team was pointing out the Diamond Doll uh, and the tumultuous relationship between her and DDP. They questioned her mentality going into the match. Uh, Johnny B. Bad at this point has solid control with a side headlock before DDP reverses with a key lock and a hair pull. Uh, DDP then pulls Johnny B. Bad's hair after a few kip-ups uh, to keep him down. Uh, Johnny B. Bad returns suit after he gets up and then goes for the Tutti Frutti outside. But DDP evades. I'm almost convinced I have no idea what the Tutti Frutti as a finisher is nowadays. Because I feel like I've seen three versions of this move. It's uh, true. But <laughs> Johnny B. Bad then hits a plancha on the outside after DDP evaded the Tutti Frutti. Uh, Johnny B. Bad then goes to hit Diamond Dallas Page. But Diamond Doll gets put in front of uh, DDP. Uh, so Johnny, Bad, Johnny B. Bad can't hit her. Um, and then Johnny B. Bad gets an eye poke for his troubles before being sent back in uh, and worked on some more. Uh, Johnny B. Bad with a brief flare-up until DDP hits a spinning tombstone. Another thing that, like, I don't, I don't understand why it was the way it was back in the day, but the tombstone was probably one of the most protected finishers in all of professional wrestling, that being the finish of The Undertaker, and it's just being used willy-nilly in wrestling and other, in other spaces. I understand it's just a basic move. I get it, but like, I don't know, maybe a little bit more yeah. acknowledgement on the finisher from the other side. Right. Uh, but nowadays, everybody does a fucking uh, super kick, so it's... And the lariat, the lariat uh, yeah. Hangman does. Hang, the hang, yeah, the Hangman's lariat. Yeah, um, so Johnny B. Bad goes to hit, um, yeah, so D Diamond Dallas, Diamond Dog gets put in front of Diamond Dallas Page. Johnny B. Bad gets the eye poke. Uh, Johnny B. Bad, shortly after... Uh, has a brief flare-up until DDP hits a spinning tombstone, as I said. Then DDP asks for the 10 from Diamond Doll, but she absolutely yeah, she's not giving it to him. Uh, DDP can be heard yelling, shut up, you bimbo, at a fan. Multiple times in this match. Loved it. Multiple times. Lo love just it. the audacity. Just the audacity. Don't love the comment, just love the audacity. Uh, we got a double down uh, for both men as Johnny evades a shoulder tackle in the corner from DDP. Uh, DDP was up first off the double down and misses a kick uh, to get uh, Johnny B. Bad to take a full back bump and get back up. He missed a kick. Yep. And he took the bump anyway. Uh, we go through a long con comeback from Johnny B. Bad. Johnny B. Bad now takes control with a stiff lariat as the crowd gets really hyped because they see where this is going. Uh, he then calls for the Diamond Doll to raise the 10 as the crowd goes even more bonkers for it. And Diamond Doll does. JBB then 
and Johnny B. Bad then hits a sit-out powerbomb for a two. The Dirty Tactics allow DDP to kick out and take the advantage after putting his feet on the ropes and using uh, his you know sneaky heel moves for a couple of quick two counts. Uh, we got a head scissors takeover, um, and that gives Johnny B. Bad enough time to attempt the bad day, which also conveniently looks like the Tutti Frutti. Not sure. DDP gets his knees up to block, and then hits a gut wrench lifted gut buster before getting another two count. Also very creative. Not a bad match at all from these two men. No, not at all. This was actually phenomenal. This was pretty good. Uh, DDP eventually goes for another tombstone off of a reversal, but it gets countered by Johnny B. Bad for a tombstone of his own for another two count. DDP powders. Johnny hits the bad mood from the inside of the ring to the outside of the ring, or the bad day. Bad mood? Not sure. Uh, pretty sure it was a bad day. Sorry. Hits a bad day from the inside to the outside and then sends DDP in uh, before hitting another one from the outside in to get the pin and the win. A strong showing from both men, especially strong for Johnny B. Bad. Yep. Let me tell you, Johnny B. Bad, underrated of all time. The real MVP of right now. Absolutely. 100%. Underrated. Phenomenal worker. Can't believe I, don't, I didn't hear his name before watching this. I mean, Mark Nero, but you don't, you don't think that Mark Nero is Johnny B. Bad right. and vice versa. Uh Diamond Doll is shown shocked at ringside that she's going to be the prize of Johnny B. Bad. And then Diamond Doll gets inside the ring and slowly gives a hug to Johnny B. Bad as they embrace with the 10 sign before fading out. Uh, yeah, so very, very good match um, from both. Uh, after this, we get Mean Gene in the ring about to talk to Johnny B. Bad and Diamond Doll. Then out of nowhere, Gene says, you thought you heard the last of the WWF steroids scandal? Well, you haven't. And then there's breaking news as of this past Wednesday. Do we know? No. Okay. Cool. Don't know what that is. Don't know what that even could have been. Uh, but, I mean, I guess important enough to be mentioned. I was about to say, overall, everybody knows the story of the steroid uh, scandal within the WWF. Uh, Vince was accused of uh, essentially being a corporate drug dealer uh, and dealing out steroids all over the place. I think the lawsuit just started, or there was a separate secondary lawsuit that was starting up with this. Right. So, because I, I, I remember reading the Observer report around this time, and that I'm, I want to say that that's what he was alluding to, because there was a separate lawsuit after the original, you know, uh, very much televised uh, right. uh, trial. Um, Apparently, the New York Post even had the inside scoop on all of this. So, it was big enough where news outlets were taking control right. of this at this time. Um, he then introduces Johnny B. Bad and Diamond Doll, who are on the ramp with him, or on the stage at least. Um, Johnny B. Bad said that uh, Dallas got a quick lesson in respect. Uh, and then as Gene talks to Diamond Doll... Johnny B. Bad cuts him off and asks Diamond Doll if she wants to be his manager, but not to give an answer tonight and to really think about it. Mean Gene puts her on the spot anyway, and uh, she still doesn't answer, but congratulates Johnny B. Bad as they get ready for the Battle Royal later tonight. That's probably the most confusing thing was that the competitors in the match were going to be used towards the Battle Royal right. later on, and some even like really fresh. Yep. Um, match number two. One of James's favorite matches of the night, and that being Big Bubba Rogers versus Hacksaw Jim Duggan in a taped fist match. What exactly is a taped fist match? I don't fucking know. And I don't think the fucking fans know. I don't even think the commentary knows. They forgot the rules midway through. Yeah, commentary did not know. The refs did not know. I, I don't... All right. 
So the announcer makes the announcement, as he is supposed to do, that the only way to win in this match is by pinfall or submission. Very, very short in do we find out that that completely gets thrown out the window. By the way, Johnny B. Bad beat DDP in 12 minutes and 35 seconds. Um, so yeah, so we get that announcement. As Big Bubba is making his way out, Hacksaw comes from behind and whacks Bubba in the back before beating on him some more outside. He has a 2 by 4 on a rope. It looks like a picnic basket uh, or a picnic stick. Uh, if you're going to run away from home, like back in the day, that's what it looks like. Oh, the humble and, bindle. Yes, the humble <laughs> the, the what? The hobo bindle. Oh my goodness gracious. You've been in Times Square too much. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, he's got the hobo bindle that has a two by four on the back. And when he gets back in the ring, uh, Hacksaw is about to hit him with it before Bubba starts to beg for mercy. Hacksaw falls, falls for it, the theme throughout this match, and then puts it down before uh, Bubba hits him. Hacksaw's trying his best to take Bubba down with some lariats. Uh, he finally does and takes him outside. Now Hacksaw brings him into ring number two. We didn't know the rings were numbered up until this point right here because the first matchup only involved one ring. Uh, commentary is shown at ringside right in front of the action. So that was cool. They were right next to ring number one. Yep. Uh, there was a cool spot where Hacksaw puts Bubba's head between two of the ring's posts yeah. before hitting him with a punch. Yep, that one was a creative one. That was actually yeah. probably the only thing I'm going to praise in this match. Also, haven't seen much Hacksaw Jim Duggan at all ever in my life, aside from that mid-2000s run that he had back in the WWE. Yeah. Um, I also saw the first Royal Rumble match that he obviously won, so that's probably my extent of knowing about Hacksaw Jim Duggan, aside from New York Comic Con. Uh -huh. So now... Um, after that, Bubba finally gets some breathing room. He gets out. Uh, Hacksaw tries to go for an axe handle from the apron. Um, Bubba counters it, and he's standing outside the ring. The ref is counting Hacksaw Jim Duggan out. If you did not hear me only two minutes ago, I said that the only way to fucking win this match was by pinfall or submission. And apparently also in this match, the only thing you need to do to break a count is to get in a ring. Not the ring that the match started in. Any ring will do. So if they wanted to fight to another arena where there was another wrestling show going on, I guess that would fucking count. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I mean, and not that it would have mattered because they wouldn't have gotten there in the 10 seconds that it takes for the ref to mistakenly count the fucking match. Fucking wild. Uh, Bubba brings Hacksaw inside and is like blatantly not punching him, but the cameraman is getting it anyway. Like blatantly not punching him. Missing on purpose. It's so wild, there were air balls. Uh, Bubba does a standing in Seguri to Hacksaw, which was cool. That was interesting. Uh, Bubba's now picking apart Hacksaw with some short rights, and then he takes him out to the ring. Um, commentary doesn't know the rules. They announce that they don't know the rules. They say it blatantly for you. I don't know how this match is supposed to go. Um, Bubba's now trying to tape Hacksaw to the top rope. This is the dumbest part. One of the dumbest parts of the match. Flimsy. It, it's athletic tape. It's meant to break. It, you can rip it. I promise you, you can rip it. And Hacksaw is not a small dude. He can rip that easily. He, as a matter of fact, it does. He does it, it, inadvertently too. Um, yeah, so he, he only wraps the wrist around the rope like four or five times. Very loose. Hacksaw is holding on by the thinnest of tape strings. He's doing a decent enough job of trying to sell like he's actually stuck. But it was done like bullshit. Um, Hacksaw sent Bubba up and over when Bubba started running to him. And Hacksaw puts Bubba back inside and whips him into a body slam once he gets free. And then hits Bubba with a lariat. VK Wall Street comes out. Thank God he came out. You want to know why? Because I always forget that him and and Big Boss Man are the same fucking person. 
I, I keep saying to myself, I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. They're two separate IRS. people. I, no, I know I know exactly what it is, but I keep fucking thinking oh. in my mind, I'm like, oh, that's right. They're two separate people. Yeah. I don't know why. I'm like, yeah, this doesn't make any sense. I don't know. There's no reason for me to think that they're the same. But one second, I'm like, oh, thank God. Thank you for reminding me. They're they're completely separate persons. And does BK Wall Street keep his gimmick going into the WWF at some point, too? I'm almost certain he's BK Wall Street there, too. And they were going to name him BKM or something like that. Vincent K. McMahon? Um, oh, my God. It was so bad. I, I, I briefly remember that happening. Um, VK Wall Street comes out and he tries to hit Hacksaw, but uh, Jim Duggan hits him with the 2x4 instead. This allows Bubba to wrap a chain around his wrist and hit Jim uh, Duggan with it to you know, lay him on the mat for the pin and the win. This was so fucking stupid. It's a no disqualification match. Why do you need to A, not take the chain out in front of the ref and B, put it back once you're done? Hacksaw could have whacked you a million times with his 2x4 and didn't. It just made it seem like the what the announcer said to the live crowd meant absolutely nothing. Yeah, it, it was, it, I don't get it. It don't make any sense. This match sucked. Uh, we get more CompuServe hype from Tony and Bobby. And then we get Mean Gene on the stage with Ric Flair. Uh, Gene says that Sting wants revenge. Ric Flair is in his hometown, so he's strutting his stuff. And that the incident that Sting tried to pull on TDT won't go unnoticed. Do we remember what incident that was? Was that the, um, was that that, uh, I'm not sure what incident it was. I'm going to assume, uh, that the whole, um, I don't know. Could it be that they're talking about the, uh, him doing the switch on Guerrero? Oh, oh. Is that possibly it? No, because he's mad at Sting. And he said that the, that the stunt that Sting tried to pull on TNT won't go unnoticed. Oh, I'm sorry. I read that wrong. I thought it was the other way around. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know what it was. Uh, he said that, oh, was it because of their match prior to that where he didn't let go of the sharpshooter? Yeah. Or, I'm sorry, the, the Scorpion uh-huh. Deathlock? Okay. That's it. That makes sense now. That makes now. sense now. Thank you. See? Thank you. Thank you, Jabronis and Jabronettes, for sitting us while we uh, got through this. He said that the Great One is back. Okay. All right. Uh, Gene then shifts to World War Three and says that he could be uh, Rick could be a twelve-time champ. Ric Flair says that this has been his master plan all along. He's got all the guys in the same building under the same roof. That being Lex, Macho Man, Randy uh, Savage, Hulk Hogan, and Sting. He's got all four of them in the same uh, roof under the same ring at the same time. He's got this in the bag. Third match of the night. What the fuck was this? Actually, a pretty entertaining match. Not for nothing. I thought it was yeah. pretty good. Uh, the thing is, it's such a big spot fest that it's not... It, this breaks every rule of tag team wrestling by far. It was very hard to keep an idea of who was... And this is... Again, it's just because I don't know who was who. Yeah. And I'm, eventually, I finally got it down. I knew who Bull Nakano was because she was a former WWE Women's Champion. And she has an iconic look that could be unmatched. Absolutely. Uh, we get a Mike Tanay appearance on commentary yes. during this to match. To explain everything because it definitely needed to be explained. Thank you, Mike Tanay. I salute you. Yes, yes. One and of the best in the game. Don't care. Of all time. Uh, Mike Tanay talks about the legend of Bull Nakano and Akira Hokuto as they are coming out. The third match of the night is Cutie Suzuki and Mayumi Ozaki versus Bull Nakano and Akira Hokuto. Um, so yeah, Mike Tanay talks about the legend of Bull Nakano and Akira Hokuto saying that this match is for bragging rights and that it's an interpromotional battle. Uh, it is all Japan women's versus, uh, the JWP. I didn't get what the JWP stand for. 
uh, but is All Japan Women versus JWP, and saying that these two teams normally wouldn't wrestle each other. I can concur because Japan is very, very, very territorial when it comes to their wrestling almost as much as Mexico is when it comes to different wrestling promotions. Uh, so this made sense. It was nice to see this interpromotional match. It was even nice to see Bull Nakano uh, in, in a match. I've never seen a match of hers up until this point. This was the first ever match that I've seen of hers. Uh, I was very, very impressed. Uh, Bobby, the brain Heenan has a great line saying that the only hat Nakano could wear is Abe Lincoln's. I fucking, I popped so hard for that. If you've ever seen Bull Nakano's hair, you will understand why that was said. Uh, Bobby then says that they're beautiful women. And Mike today talks about the 45 years of experience between the four of them. I, I, think, I think the highest age was 29 years old and the lowest age was 22. And they have 45 years of experience between them. Crazy, right? Crazy. Insane. Uh, Bull and Akira start the match. They just bum-rush their opponents and completely cut off the ring. Hokuto does a great thing where she holds onto the hand of her opponent and, like, keeps her within centimeters of her opponent to make the tag. Um, but there was a point where they actually got the tag. The ref just didn't see it. <laughs> it was Again, yeah, this is one of those things. Tags are made and the ref doesn't see it. There's Logic was thrown out the window. Yeah, there's spots. There's... Normally, that would have caused disqualifications. Yeah, there's a lot of hair pulling uh, by uh, Nakano and Hokuto. Uh, the women in the crowd are actually giving the ref heat. I heard like some women yelling at the ref for his lack of involvement in said match. Uh, um, Osaki gets tied up in the ropes uh, by the hair of Nakano and Hokuto at the same time. Osaki took a lot of Osaki took a lot of the heat in this match. Um, Ozaki had the briefest of hope spots and hits a DDT on Hokuto, which allows her to tag in Kyuji Suzuki. Then there is a spot with double submissions on Nakano and Hokuto from Suzuki and Ozaki. So that was cool too. Um, very fast paced action between all four women. It definitely kept the pace going from uh, the oh, boar fest that was the fucking tape fist match. Uh, there was a tandem leg drop stomps. From uh, double leg stomps, I'm sorry, tandem double leg stomps on Nakano from both women from the top rope. They just was just one got down, the other got up. One got down, the other got up. So God bless the ribs of uh, Nakano. There is a double suplex attempt before Nakano breaks it apart. Uh, Hokuto does a crossbody off the top rope to the both of them. Uh, Suzuki does then double crossbodies uh, to both Nakano and Hokuto. Hokuto does a gnarly German suplex. Uh, onto Ozaki on the top of her head. That was a, a nasty, nasty-looking spot. Nakano does some power moves and says sends the uh, Ozaki outside. Hokuto does a flip splash from the top rope outside that also looked crazy. There's a doomsday lariat from Nakano and Hokuto that Ozaki lands on her neck. And they finally, finally put this team away with a top rope guillotine leg drop. Beautiful, beautiful spot to end the match. Uh, aside from the logic, uh, the illogical spots that took over the match that uh, obviously go against everything that we know in professional wrestling, a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, a good introduction if you're watching in 95 to what's going on in wrestling outside of the United States because this is not something that happens very often. But with the partnership between World Championship Wrestling and New Japan Pro Wrestling, and in this case, All Japan Pro Wrestling and J uh, JWP, so interesting enough, uh, you got a big name in there like Bull Nakano, who's, uh, again, has a reputation of her own, one of the best women in, in the history of wrestling. Yeah. Meanwhile, 
WWF had uh, Landra Blaze and uh, a couple of other Japanese jabronis versus Big Bertha Faye and some more Japanese jabronis. So while this was the jabronis versus Nakano and Okuto, this was a far more entertaining match uh, from, from them. Uh, we get a plug for the WCW hotline, and Gene is seen with Lex Luger and uh, and uh, Jimmy Hart. Uh, Jimmy Hart pretty much talks up Lex. Uh, Gene then talks about Savage guaranteeing that he won't make it to the Battle Royal. Uh, Lex says that he is the flagship of WCW, the past, present, and the future. It looked like he was reading off of cue cards. He was staring straight down, not even at the camera, as he was, uh, you know, uh, talking. Um, and then we get our fourth match, which is Chris Benoit versus Kensuke Sasaki versus our first appearance, real appearance of Sonny Ono. Yes. Yep. Uh, so this is for the United States Championship. Sasaki had actually won this championship 10 days prior uh, from Sting in Japan. And overall, uh, probably Benoit's weakest showing since uh, his arrival in, in WCW. That may not have been his fault, but nonetheless, uh, it might have just been a clash of styles and it just didn't work out too well. Uh, Benoit starts the match hot and heavy and he takes down uh, Sasaki and he starts stomping him out. Sasaki responds with some stiff ch chops to Benoit, and he hits him with a snapmare of his own, and the two wrestle for, uh, on the ground for a good amount of time, and Benoit eventually over, uh, is eventually overpowered. He sent head over heels, and the two continue the feeling out process with a test of strength. This is a little further into the match at this point, and at this point, the feeling out process should have been over. And I feel like Benoit was trying to slow it down, maybe because Sasaki was moving too fast, and it did seem that way. Yeah, this match just seemed uh, a little bit uh, clunky. Um, Sonny Ono eventually gets on commentary, and he starts talking about how him and Bobby worked out a deal. Bobby says that money doesn't really mean anything and that they just want the, uh, the respect that the Japanese people uh, deserve. Um, while this is happening, Benoit does a great bridged German suplex before getting hit with a lariat by Sasaki. Sasaki goes for a tombstone, very tombstone-heavy yeah. show. Um, Benoit reverses it with one of his own, then goes up top with a flying headbutt. Benoit then sets Kensuke up for a Frankensteiner on the top. Uh, that really, I mean, honestly, both men kind of like got really like, I don't know. They were kind of like stalemate right? Uh, for the most part. Kensuke got, get cons I'm sorry, Kensuke got control after this. He put Chris in some submissions before hitting him with a hefty lariat and dropping Chris on his head with a running over-the-shoulder driver. Uh, and that pretty much ended the match. Yep. That was a pin and the win, like a running power slam. Um, yep. kind of, I mean, kind of like Biggie set up for the big ending. Yep, exactly. God, I missed that, man, but yes. Yep, absolutely. Hope, hope to see him return soon. Uh, but overall, yeah, this, is, uh, this was a clunky little one. This wasn't really... Uh, I don't it think that him and Kensuke had chemistry, chemistry the first time around all. either. Yeah. So for them to run this back, run this match back, kind of seemed a little confusing. Uh, and I mean, it definitely proved that they probably shouldn't have another match between the two. Though. Yep. We get an interview with Kevin Sullivan, the Giant, and Jimmy Hart, and uh, it's it's the same promo as everybody's cutting all uh, cutting all night. This time with the Dungeon of Doom. Uh, Dungeon of Doom is not taking any prisoners, and we're gonna kick Hulk Hogan's butt back to Kalamazoo. Roses are red, flowers are blue. I'm going to kick your ass back to Kalamazoo. Wow. Wow. Tony Hype, Starcade 95, which has the wrong day of the week on the advertisement. <laughs> Pathetic WCW. So, Starcade 95 is on a Wednesday, and they had it on a Sunday, Sick. I think, was the 
Is that what it is? I because it said it said it said Wednesday, December, whatever the fuck, and then uh, at least commentary said, but the advertisement said Sunday, December, whatever the fuck it was. Oh, I, I didn't even catch that. I, yeah. I'm, I'm going it was, crazy. It was really weird. It was really weird. Bobby then talks about the Battle Royal and says Hogan doesn't have a chance. We then get a hype up of the Macho Man and Lex Luger match. A pretty good vignette to, to set that up. Uh, now Gene is stage side with, with Randy. Uh, Macho Man says that he's jittery because he can't wait to get out there. I'm going to get you. And then Gene talks about the arm of Randy. And Randy says he's a million percent. And says that he has a date with Destiny before making his way to the ramp. Which begins our fifth match of the night, and our technically our um, it's not our co-main event actually. I'm sorry. Uh, fifth match of the night, that being Randy Savage versus Lex Luger. Pretty quick match again. Pretty quick match. Yeah, for only about six minutes, not even. And this this didn't really didn't do any all that much. This just was filler to fill the time slot, and it really oh god. I think the most surprising thing about it is that Lex went over. I wasn't surprised by that at all. I, I'll be honest with you. I expected that. I was less surprised come the ending of the pay-per-view. Okay. Fair, yeah. But I was I was surprised that Lex took that. Um, I didn't really think that that was like... Like, I know Macho Man is hurt and whatnot. I just... I, I don't know. I didn't I didn't really see Lex Luger even still having a chance to win that, that battle royal. Um, Randy immediately goes after Lex. Once the bell rings, putting him against the rope... Uh, Lex was making him look really good early, selling really well for him. Uh, Savage is acting like, well, Savage. Uh, he, Randy sends Lex outside as Bobby is talking about how both men are expending a lot of energy in this match and how they have to save it for the Battle Royal. So, you know, good on Bobby for pointing that out. Um, Savage does a body slam in the middle of the ring, and as Randy goes up top, Hart gets on the apron to distract the ref, uh, and then Randy hits the elbow, but the ref is still distracted with Hart. Uh, stupid because the ref has fucking zero peripheral vision, apparently. They always do. Um, Randy brings Lex, Lex back outside because he that realized that that's not going to win the match. He's not going to get the pin. Lex eventually whips Randy into the apron. Uh, Tony then says that Sting and Lex will be in a tag team together tomorrow night on Nitro. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Lex puts Randy in the torture rack on the outside of the ring, then drags Randy inside. Uh, he then wraps his arms around the injured arm of Randy and pulls on it until Randy passes out from the pain, even after the pin. Uh, Sting runs down the ramp and says something to Luger, and that's the only thing that makes Lex let go. Kind of shades of what happened a couple of weeks ago when Sting had it on arm uh, yep. on Flair. Begs the question, what is going on between yes. Lex Luger and Sting? What are they telling each other? So I guess we'll find out soon. Uh, next, we've got to go. I do want to point to, out that thing. That, that, oh, absolutely, yes. The thing that frustrated you. Yep, go for it. The fact that somebody's passing out due to an arm ringer. There it is. I fucking hate that shit. Yeah, you'll break his arm. I, I Listen, I, I've never... All right, that pain made you pass out, but Christ, I, it don't make sense. Uh, we get a hype of the uh, Sting and Ric Flair match, and we got right to it. Uh, Sting and Flair do a face-to-face. Commentary mentions that Hogan is going to be wrestling tomorrow night, and he reminds us that Sting and Lex will team up as well. Uh, Sting and Flair go straight to blows. Flair gets sent to the outside and powders into ring number two. Uh, Sting and the ref follow suit. Now in this second ring, and Sting is still getting the better of Rick with the uh, military press. 
Uh, Flair is begging for forgiveness, but pokes the eyes of Sting to get the upper hand. Were they not watching Monitor during the uh, Bubba match? I'm not sure. Flair now picking apart Sting very slowly as he got the advantage after the eye poke. Uh, Bobby makes mention that the horsemen are in the building, but Tony makes mention that none of them came down for Benoit during his match with Kensuke. Also, nobody came down for Brian Pillman during his match with Eddie Guerrero. So they're just seeming to let them do it by themselves. Right. It, that's the biggest problem that I have with this match. We'll get to it at the end. It's okay. Sting with a fast comeback off of an Irish whip. Then Rick powders back into ring number three. Uh, Colonel Parker and Sherry are arm in arm on the ramp, kissing and watching the match. Rick is chopping Sting in the corner, but Sting is no selling. And uh, he sends Rick back outside. Uh, once Rick back, gets back inside, they reset. Why the fuck were they there? I have no fucking No clue. bearing on the match at all. No bearing on anything. That has nothing to do with Just what's wanted going on. to remind you fans, hey, if you didn't remember, the people who managed Harlem Heat, who were no longer on TV for whatever reason, she's still hooking up with the Colonel. Thank you. That's it. <laughs> awesome. Great. Uh, we got another lockup uh, from both men, and Sting is no selling a lot of Flair's usual moves, aka the chops and the punches. Uh, he gets sent back outside after another military press but then baits Sting into sending himself into the barricade. Flair is now controlling the outside near ring number one uh, before sending Sting in. Uh, Rick's chops have no effect on Sting again. Stick, Sting chokes Flair, but then he gets a low blow, uh, Flair does on Sting, uh, and the ref doesn't see it explicitly. Did he kick him? Did he low blow him? I couldn't really, I, I like blinked for a second. I knew it was a low blow. It definitely he low put blow. The arm, he, did he put the arm under him or was it the, the I, leg? I, 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 see, this is why I wish I was, I, I, what's it called? Had gone back and watched this just prior to us, while, uh, us reviewing it. But I'm, Flair was always kick. noticed for the, yeah, he was known for the kick. Yeah, it, it re happened so fast. I almost didn't catch it. Um, if I didn't see uh, Sting selling that. Um, Rick is in control again, working on the knee of Sting inside and outside the ring. Uh, Rick then eventually puts Sting inside the ring for the figure four. Uh, Ric Flair. Excuse me. Ric Flair then slaps the face of Sting while in the hold, uh, which has Sting pretty mad. He kind of hulks up too. Uh, but Flair uses dirty tactics uh, to cut him off. As Rick is getting up, he starts grabbing the shirt of a referee, Nick Patrick, who floors him. Just. Yep. Pushes him right down on his ass. Pushes him to the floor. Uh, so Nick Patrick doesn't take it. That dirty son of a bitch. He's the NWO ref. But it's okay because he's straight down the middle during this match. Uh, Sting now is really angry. And he sends Rick outside. And it's ring number one. Rick then tries to go up top. But it never works. Rick Flair out of the top rope. Literally almost never works. Uh, Sting does the military press over. And he starts to hurt Rick in the corner with punches. And even a superplex. Uh, Sting then locks in the Scorpion Deathlock as Rick shakes his head yes at Nick Patrick for the submission win. So you got Sting winning and Rick Flair losing. Yep. No sight of no none of the horsemen in sight. Nobody no. even came to the aid. Rick Flair was cheating on his own. Begs the question, like, what are we doing here? Where, where, where's the group? I think that they were just trying to say that every member of the roster can, uh, like, every member of the faction can handle it themselves. Can they though? I mean, Brian Pillman has proved that he can't, and Ric Flair can't beat Sting. Benoit didn't didn't win did, tonight did either. Beat Ken, Ken, Ken and Arn Anderson either. at this point isn't wrestling all that much. No, this I mean, this is like towards the tail end of his career, within like another year or two. So, um, 
I mean, honestly, I, I barely saw Arn during the Battle Royal. Uh, but yeah, so we get Ric Flair losing and Sting winning. This provides much-needed momentum heading into uh, the Battle Royal. After this, Bobby and Tony talk about how all the wrestlers we've seen now are going to be in the Battle Royal too. The stakes are high, but Bobby says that he doesn't think any of the men today uh, will win it, and it's going to be somebody fresh. That somebody fresh is Hogan. Hogan didn't do anything at all today. Oh, yeah. So, what are the rules to this absolutely monstrous main event match? Very simple. There's 20 men in each ring. There are three rings. That's 60 people. Meth, ladies and gentlemen. Not good at it, but I did that. Uh, And there's going to be a giant in each ring. A fine giant. There's one Yeti, one other, the giant, and the third is Hulk Hogan. If if ten men are left, they move into into another ring. Yeah. So Who is coordinating this shit? So they had referees all over the outside, pretty much to count the eliminations and also count the wrestlers that are in the ring. And then once they were ten, they moved them from ring number three to ring number two, and then from ring number two to ring number one. It's essentially how that went. It was a confusing clusterfuck throughout the entire match. Um, Gene is on the stage with Hogan. Uh, Hogan gives his usual spiel. We haven't even got to the fucking match yet. Uh, I guess they were just giving the other wrestlers enough time to to heal up and maybe get a drink of fucking water. Uh, Gene is on the stage with Hogan. Hogan says his usual spiel about the Giant and how his focus is on the match and the Giant as a whole. He then says that his friends Sting and Macho Man will be there with him, but it's ultimately every man for himself. Uh, Hogan then talks touts this as the most dangerous match in the history of pro wrestling. ECW is going on at this time. A 60-man battle royal over the top rope, no weapons involved, the most dangerous match in the history of pro wrestling. All right, Hogan. He's got uh, the red and yellow black on, and he said that the Dungeon of Doom will never get the title. He also more gives us a what you got to do, then flexes for the camera before we go back to commentary who have the belt, we then cut to Bischoff and Dusty Rhodes. Uh, we've, so we've got three separate announced teams at this point. This is the wildest thing I have ever seen in my life. Because it, it also makes no sense going into the match either. Um, so we cut to Bischoff and Dusty Rhodes, who are part of one commentary team. We already have the team of Tom... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Um, Shiv- uh, Shivani and Heenan. Yeah, Tony Shivani and Heenan. And then we get Chris Cruz and Larry Zabisco. Uh, Bischoff and Dusty Rhodes talk about the match in the history-making moment. Dusty talks about the potential of an underdog winning the match uh, before we do cut to Chris Cruz and Zabisco, who hype the other competition. And Zabisco uh, says that Hogan doesn't have much help going into tonight. Trying to emphasize that. Yeah. A.K.A. beating a dead fucking horse. Yep. There are 60 people in this match. Let's go through them. Let's talk about it. Arn Anderson. Alex Wright. You want me to hold hold on for a second? No, we're good. Okay, good. Uh, Alex Wright. Alex Wright. Brian Knobs. Who's part of the Nasty Boys. Correct. Barrio Brother Ricky. Uh, yeah, I could have sworn you said Mario Brother, but there's a tag team called the Barrio Brothers. Um, so the Barrio Brothers, Ricky, and there's other, uh, there's another Barrio Brother as uh, as well. Um, uh, Squire Dave Taylor, who uh, he has a tag team partner who's also in this match. We'll get to him in a second. Uh, and he's also the British heavyweight champion. Yep. Scott Armstrong. Sting. Uh, jumpy, ju- jumping Joey Mags. Uh, we've got Pistol, Pistol Pete, Pete Watley. Pistol, oh, I'm sorry, Pistol, Pistol Pez Pistol Pete. Shout out Pistol Pete. Shout out Pistol Pete. You know who you are. Uh, Disco Inferno, Meng, Stevie Ray, uh, Mark Star, Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker, 
Uh, Lieutenant James Earl. Great, we're just going to add military people like it's crazy. We're Sergeant Slaughter when you need him. Uh, Lex Luger, Eddie Guerrero, Cobra, the Giant, Paul Orndorff, Chris Canyon, uh, Bobby Walker, Earl Robert Eaton, Chris Benoit, Randy Savage, Marcus Bagwell, the Medi, the Medi, the Yeti, who looks, who's dressed like a ninja from Mortal Kombat. Yeah, looks like Scorpion. Yep. Kurosawa, Hugh Morris, uh, who's announced as part of the Dungeon of Doom, uh, the Zodiac, uh, VK Wall Street, DDP Scott Norton, Flying Brian Pillman, Sergeant Craig Pitbull Pittman, One Man Gang, uh, Super Assassin Number Two, Mr. JL, Bunkhouse Buck, uh, Kensuke Sasaki, uh, Mike Winter, uh, The Shark, uh, Steve Armstrong, Hawk, Dave Sullivan, Scotty Riggs, Johnny B. Bad, uh, Big Train Bart, Lord Steven Regal, that's William Regal, who is Dave Taylor's tag team partner, mm-hmm. uh, Dick Slater, Max Muscle, Super Assassin Number One, uh, Barrio Brother Fidel, The Taskmaster, Jerry Sags, the other half of the Nasty Boys, uh, Jim Duggan, Booker T, Bubba, uh, Big Bubba, almost said Bubba Ray, uh, Big Bubba, Ric Flair, and finally Hulk Hogan. Okay. I, hold on. Because I don't even. Yeah, we said Stevie Ray. Okay, cool. Yeah, there was one person in particular. Scott Armstrong was there as well. He's a referee. Yes, Scott Armstrong was there as well. On Wikipedia, for some reason, it says that he was a participant. He was not a participant. It says that Scott Armstrong was a participant. He was not. I I didn't see him at all in there. Um, There's also a Mikey winner that was in there, too. Um, Yes, Hugh Morris is humorous in WCW. Uh, he's part of the W. The, he's part of the Dungeon of Doom. Uh, he stays a part of the Dungeon of Doom for quite, quite, quite some time. The new Dungeon of Doom he's a part of as well. Uh, um, I think he's the question mark or something like that in there. Oh my god! I don't know. It was. It's it, his career is is long. There is so much to cover. All right, and you can't. We can't. We're, let's not, let's, we're we're gonna get down to brass fucking tacks here. The Yeti got eliminated immediately. The Yeti got eliminated immediately. Michael Buffer did the introductions. We got a wide shot. There's a lot of punching and kicking. Um, there's three... All right, and if you're watching on pay-per-view, there's three screens where you can't follow what's going on. There's so much going on in this match. It's very difficult yeah. to really figure out what the hell is going I, I on. Got, I got a couple of things. Oh, so Scott Armstrong... I'm sorry. Scott Armstrong was in this match. I was about to say, I thought so. I, I, I thought yeah. maybe you knew something that I yeah, didn't. Yeah, no, he was in this match. I just don't think that we announced that he was in the match. I know that uh, his brother Steve was in there. I don't think we announced that Scott Armstrong was in the match as well. I lied. My apologies. Oh, Scott Armstrong was there. Okay. So yeah. the referee is in the fucking match. Wow. Um, nonetheless, so yeah, we got a lot of punching and kicking. The Yeti's on the outside punching people from the apron. Uh, at some point, Flair and Arn are on the outside beating on Sting. You don't know who's really in and who's really out. Commentary cuts to Chris Cruz, who just said that the Yeti has been eliminated already. He was one of the first people eliminated, if not the first person eliminated. Um, people are literally flying out of the ring. We can't tell you who eliminated who because not even commentary knows. Uh... Bischoff said that Lex Luger should have been eliminated because he saw his feet hit the floor, but that the refs didn't. So, I guess that was okay. That was cool. Yeah. It was different. Uh, we got Mark Starr eliminated by Brian Nobbs. I'm just going to tell you the eliminations as I see them on camera and as they're being announced at the time. 
um, a little later because this match goes a whopping half hour. So a little later, we get a few more eliminations, uh, you know, from all the other jabronis. Uh, Brian Nobbs, Stevie J, and Barrio Brothers are out as well as Alex Wright and JL. Uh, Ring 2 was completely empty. Um, so they start working their way to uh, Ring 1. Then we get uh, VK Wall Street and Scott Norton. They're getting shown, uh, they're shown getting sent out. And now we have one ring. After a while, we get one ring. Thank God. Kevin Sullivan and the one-man gang are trying to get Hogan out by, quote-unquote, choking him. There are 29 men in the ring, so half of the Battle Royals in the ring at one time. Just one less than half. Uh, we're at one camera on screen now, so Thank it's totally God. manageable to see at this point. It's about time. Fucking Christ. Scott Armstrong, for whatever reason, we see him getting taken out in a stretcher. Don't know why. Uh, Bubba and Hacksaw are out as well. Dave Taylor and Disco Inferno are also sent out. Uh, thank God the Disco Inferno is out. Jerry Sags and Booker T are also eliminated. Uh, this is well before Stevie Ray was eliminated. Uh, Hogan sends out Taskmaster, and uh, he's eliminated. But the commentary no-sells that. The fact that Kevin Sullivan got got thrown out because he's the, the leader of the leader of doom exactly and we don't give a fuck about him no I, christ no macho man and lex fight in every other ring and outside uh johnny b bad ddp and pitbull pitman are eliminated uh chris benoit eliminated as well zodiac gets eliminated hugh morris gets eliminated brian pillman gets eliminated uh hawk and sasaki both get eliminated mr from wonderful gets sent out and eddie guerrero gets sent out too so lots of uh eliminations at once yep and the at last few still available uh to become the heavyweight champion it's going to be hogan macho man rick flair the giant sting and one man gang and lex flair and arn get uh get eliminated by hogan sting and lex try to get the giant out but they can't until hogan helps them helps take him over because hogan's got to do it all he's the giant slayer but it, uh it also takes out sting and lex as well the giant grabs hogan's legs and pulls him from uh, down from the apron. They start fighting ringside uh, by the main ring. Then Savage's announced the winner? Yeah, dog. Uh, and, cause, and, and we didn't even get to see him eliminate uh, OMG. So it's like... So, I seen... No, I didn't see the elimination between one man gang. Um, Macho Man apparently took him out. It was off camera when this happened. Oh, I remember it because it's on... They're focused on the right side of the ring and they're focused Oh, and then the on, left side on, is when it happens. Yes. So, at some point, but Hogan's never eliminated. Hogan never goes over the ropes. But because the ref, the one ref that was in the ring, apparently the other two refs that were outside the ring, don't, they don't fucking matter anymore. But the ref that was inside the ring was so distracted by Macho Man and the One Man Gang that he assumed that Hogan and Lex were out and that they took each other out. It's the dumbest fucking that, watch. Say, it took me three times to rewind it and watch it. That's such indie shit. It's not even funny. And the, oh, that's the literally the only fucking conclusion that I can come up with is that the referee who was inside the ring did not see that Hogan and Lex were outside the ring through the middle or bottom rope and just fighting. Right. This just confused everybody. The crowd, Hogan, commentary. Everybody's fucking confused. Hogan starts... Arguing with the ref, uh, saying that the giant pulled him under, and that that's how they started getting that going. The ref still counts the win for Macho. Macho Man is saying, "Hey, let's get it on then and make this official. Let me beat you fair and square." 
Gene comes in the ring now, and he's asking the referee and the announcers what's happened. Nobody knows. Um, Gene is now in the middle of the ring talking about Savage. Uh, Hogan grabs Gene and says that the win uh, is not true. Uh, then Macho says that Macho Man gets on the mic and says that he didn't see anything. Uh, but what it is right now is what it is. What it is is what it is. Ooh, yeah. Uh, can Hogan handle that? Hogan then asked the fans if he saw if they saw him getting dragged. They cheer. Pretty much Macho Man says, hey, man, I didn't see it. Sorry. I know the fans saw it. Me and the ref didn't see it. So mm, you're asked out of luck. Macho Man doesn't like that there's a black cloud hanging over his win uh, and that he, uh, you know, he's trying to do this the right way. Hogan said that he's going to show Randy the film tomorrow. Uh, and once that happens, they'll talk turkey. Randy then grabs the mic and then agrees and shakes hands at the end. Uh, and they hug before we get a, ooh, yeah, to end the show. It just felt like they were trying to, like, grab the mic from one another and be like, I got the last word. And I got the last word. It's like, it's this could have been done in 30 seconds, 45 yep. seconds. Uh, this is such a cop-out. I mean, granted, this is a terrible idea to begin with. 60 people in a battle royal. This is terrible already as it is. This is a cop-out ending because I what I can only assume is that Hogan didn't want to lose clean in a battle royal where I think the only where you can lose and it be okay and you uh -huh. still be protected. Uh-huh. Uh, so I, I can't imagine a scenario where this needed to be done. Hogan could have been eliminated by the Giant and came back in and eliminated the Giant, and the fans would have still went nuts. Hogan would have been protected. We could have still done all this bullshit. Because to me, it seems like they're – I mean, yeah, it's the protection, but to me, it just seems like they're trying to maybe somehow, some way work a match between Hogan and Randy. At least that's what that was alluding to. Whether it right. happens is beyond me. Yeah. Um, but they're trying to make it seem like, okay, Hogan's still trying to get the title back, but he technically never lost. And, uh, you know, he's unfortunately got to fight his friend to do so. I, I agree with you. I don't think it makes, honestly, really much sense at all. I think that, uh, I mean, I don't even think Macho Man was the right person for no. the win. Not at all. I, I don't know what happens next. I legitimately haven't seen the next episodes. I, I'm as confused in you, as you are at this point in time. Uh, but yeah, we have a brand new WCW World Heavyweight Champion and is an injured macho man, Randy Savage. Yep. So two new world champions and two different companies within the span of a week. Uh, this is big. And we can only see where it goes from here. Overall, this show was kind of bland. I think the, the opener was the best part of this show. Uh, Johnny B. Bad and DDP absolutely tore the house down. It was entertaining to watch that match. And like I said, I think Johnny B. Bad's going down uh, one of the most underrated wrestlers that I've ever had the pleasure of watching now in retrospect. Yeah, this was, and like I said, it, it was a show that mattered uh, pretty much about nothing, um, aside from the... Uh, World Heavyweight Championship. Mm, two of these matches were good. Two of these matches were good? Yep. The Johnny B. Bad and Diamond Dallas Page match and the women's match. Yeah, the women's match was solid. I mean, it was it was illogical, but it what's it called? It was entertaining. I was entertained mm -hmm. thoroughly throughout. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. the Big Bubba's Robert Big Bubba Rogers match, awful, abysmal. Uh and then the two matches that preceded the um main event were unnecessary. I could have lived without seeing Lex and Ray. we. Th that's the other thing, is that 
I mean, I'm not sure if it's more of a modern thing now or if it was happening back then too, but they could have easily had these story beats inside the Battle Royal with Luger, Savage, Sting, and Flair. You could have had so many different scenarios as to how this went inside the ring, but you then instead decided to make it a mediocre match. I would have liked it if, like, let's say, Flair and Lex and the Four Horsemen, you know, teamed up against Savage, Sting, Hogan, and, like, whoever else. You know what I mean? Like, those types of spots that we see in Battle Royals now where kind of everybody's getting their shine in one way, shape, or form. This match had, the main event had none of it. No, it had nothing going on. It was just people getting dumped. I want to know who, how did they produce this? Like, this is like, like, how do you keep in mind these 60 dudes? Who's got to produce this shit? Uh, well, so, I mean, listen, 83 weeks, uh, some, not something to wrestle with, uh, with uh, the one that, um, uh, Tony Schiavone's on. Yeah. Those two, uh, shows will probably be your best bet. And so I'm currently getting through the 83 weeks of it now. Um, but yeah, you, you could probably get through so, some stuff Solid. Uh, there and find out. Um, but yeah, nonetheless, that was our uh, paper review of World War Three. You know, overall, we think it was just a really bland show with a mild, mild finish and a great opener. Um, go ahead and check out our other paper reviews. We just did Survivor Series 95. Uh, we've got a lot, a lot, a lot in the pipeline. We are still within the first six months of the Monday Night Wars. We're only 11 uh, episodes in. So please, please, please make sure you check out all of our social medias. You can find us at Double Turn Radio on Instagram, double underscore turn underscore radio. That's going to have our link tree where you can find us everywhere else. If you Google Double Turn Radio Podcast, you'll find us on your favorite internet search provider. James, where can they hear us? Oh, they can hear us on a whole host of different places. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, Stitcher, Sirius XM Radio. And Amazon podcast. Shout out to Joey Flats. He provides us with that sweet, sweet intro and outro at the end of every single episode that we put out. And thank you, the fans, for choosing Double Turn Radio as your number one wrestling audio encyclopedia. Whether you are tuning in on the road as a worker going to a show or you are a professional wrestling fan just looking to get their fix of all things wrestling, let us be your one-stop shop. That has been the pay-per-view 1995 for World War Three. My name is Xavier Heat, wrestling's favorite hothead. For my beautiful and lovely co-host, the man with no gimmick, the James Conti. Make sure you check out our other content. Thank you. Fuck you. Bye. Bye.